0: Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. In the oral tradition of of many tribes, uh, I've yet to come across a tribal member from from a tribe that does not have stories of giants uh, roaming the land.
1: This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. High web. heavy longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. <laughs> is GLK
0: London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. Well, uh, Ty has left the state, and Heavy's probably in some type of coma, so I am lucky enough to have noted author, noted podcast killer, Professor Bradford. Actually, I shouldn't say your last name. I'll bleep that out. We don't want people to know. I mean, yeah, you can say it. I mean, Everybody knows because we've pushed your book so much. Yeah. Arredondo.
1: Yep, Arredondo. Electric Boogaloo 2. Electric Boogaloo 2, hopefully part three
0: coming soon. You should write a, a fiction account now. Like, you've done the facts. Now you lay out how he really lost the eye.
1: I uh, actually ran across a fiction book rich, written shortly after this featuring, featuring a Spanish general called Arredondo. I'm pretty sure it was uh just some guy reading the newspapers, seeing Arredondo's name, and then just made up a backstory. But um it was basically an 1823 book. And this guy's traipsing around Mexico, hooking up with Mexican women. Well, I mean, sure, that's what my Eridondo book would be about. Yeah, and and uh, Eridondo was the the mean Spanish general trying to to stop him from. Sleeping. Oh, so said,
0: Eridondo wasn't the the no, hero. No, no the was, hero was an American guy. Oh, down there. no, then mine would be yeah, mine would be Eridondo, uh banging Mexican chicks.
1: I guess so. Yeah, I'm sure he did. There's a, a lot of mistresses, and that's the type of thing that's hard to find. Is uh, the sex stuff? You know, right. people didn't talk about it as much, but but you'll hear. Yeah, he had his mistress here, mistress there, and so uh, the guy got around. Poor wife. He, he he was married. Um, brought his wife to um northern Mexico with him. Put her in one town. He stayed in another town with one of his mistresses.
0: Brought her from Spain.
1: Yes. Wait, actually, this one he met, so he brought one from Spain. She died of disease, which is a thing that happened a lot. Gets one in Mexico. She's, you know, right around Mexico City. Brings her up to Saltillo, Monterey, which is just south of Texas. She's all the way up there. Uh, He just basically puts her in this other town and then starts shacking up with this other woman. I know there's at least one other mistress uh, that that he had around, and he had a daughter with one of – the mistresses that woman married a very prominent doctor in North Mexico. She left him for a general, which is kind of weird. Like that's unusual. Whole, yeah. So like, uh, apparently the rumor was that she wanted, you know, somebody like her dad, but her dad left her and her mom when she was like eight. So it's a whole, uh,
0: sort of soap opera going on. Well, this is can you hear me? The podcast where two guys talk about ideas for the next telenovela on Univision I think we got something here. I'm Gustav Monteblanc. As I mentioned, we got Brad Folsom. You're not on Twitter anymore apparently. You don't check it anymore. Should I? I don't know. Have I, don't I think missed you're anything? anything?
1: No. I I don't know. I was have I wouldn't get on there very much anyway and I just I don't know. Social
0: media. I'm afraid the Russians are going to get me on there somehow. Well, it, you are bits uh, are fun. If you want to try and contact him, if he ever does log back on, I'm uh, at real Gustav, and you can email us at CanYouHearMePod at gmail.com. Now, Brad used to host with Smiling Ryan below the belt, but now you and the uh, killer of clay, KJ, host Our Texas, a Texas history-based podcast. Are
1: you afraid of Russian bots before I get a Russians on a social media before we get into it. Am that. I afraid of them? No. I mean, I don't ha- I'm not Dude, afraid of anything. I think everybody's a Russian trying to be a subversive.
0: I mean, there're definitely all sorts of bots and and not just Russians. Uh there's there's so much machinations going on, you know, manipulating search engine results, you know, and what goes up and all that stuff. I, I know there are certain listeners that we have that are definitely um, Worried about that sort of thing? I'm not. I mean, I, I pretty much kind of just laugh at the idea that people are upset about other countries trying to manipulate perceptions in the United States after we spent pretty much the entire 20th century manipulating the perceptions of other com- countries. But we're the U.S. We get to do that. Yeah, I know it, but it's just I'm I'm kind of like, yeah, you know. Well, you do it. You live by the sword. You die by the sword. I heard a good
1: theory this morning. I, I was on Reddit, and uh, so the way it works on there is if you post something really, you know, cool, like you post a interesting cartoon or you know a good story, a, a great idea, whatever, people upvote you, and you get karma. And I think what that karma does is I'm not even sure what it does, but it may, maybe gets you more exposure for your next posts, uh, or ups your comments up to the top. Well, somebody pointed out that uh there are these people all they do is post hot girls in, you know, dressed like video game characters right. and they all happen to be Russian. So the conspiracy theory was that these are Russian, you know, whatever uh disinformation people that are posting uh this to get the karma and then they're going to be posting, you know, after the cosplay stuff they'll be posting, you know, uh so and so vote for so and so, or so and so's a socialist, or whatever the heck they're pushing. You
0: know, I, I have a problem with that whole Reddit culture of the upvote. It, it's toxic. Yeah. Because it, it's the ultimate popularity mm-hmm. groupthink type situation where it's a, this positive feedback loop that just keeps on whatever the herd mentality goes with. It, not um, not in every subreddit because there's some that are so laser focused that, you know, they're technical and this is what we're about. And, you know, it's an exchange of ideas, which I'm fine with. But the things where it's almost any of them that are popular, it seems like from what I've looked at, because I don't use Reddit a lot, but it's very much, oh, you don't think like we're supposed to think we're going to downvote you and you're going to be, you know. And a lot
1: of times it's determined by whoever the first commenter is. So you post sure. something and the first person says, this is great. Everybody coming along is automatically going to see that first comment. Well, this is great. Get upvoted. But if it uh, just happens to be an idiot that says this is terrible, uh, your whole idea is, uh, is, is going through the floor.
0: Yeah. I, like I said, I, I look at Reddit some for some you know kind of more technical things. and But anything that's, I don't know, I certainly don't go there for anything political or social or anything like that. Although there have been some great threads, that, you know, somebody sent me something to. Uh, I don't know if you remember, if you saw. And IJB might have talked about it a long time ago. It was a guy supposedly had sent his ex wife or girlfriend the spreadsheet of all the times she had denied him sex. Or, you know, turned down sex and the reasons why. And he had it spreadsheet format. Hmm. And supposedly she shared it with Reddit, which is kind of iffy. You know, I don't, that doesn't pass the smell test. But stuff like that's at least interesting, amusing. But it kind of turns into how much of this is real. How much is this basically just, you know, creepy pasta or whatever you want to call it. And that kind of gets into something that you and I talked a little about about uh via text the other day and we said let's package this and that's ancient giants
1: yeah yep
0: so i ran into something
1: so i was um uh writing this this new book and I, i ran across this letter to thomas jefferson where it's it's about a guy that supposedly jeff well jefferson was friends with this guy spain suspects that jefferson sent this dude into texas to encourage indians to rise against the spanish so the united states could take texas this guy had been into Texas a couple times. He's probably just trading there. But one of the times, he got near New Mexico, and he says that he got close to a lake where people said in this lake these giant creatures lived. And uh, I was trying to figure out what type of creature this was, so I uh, sent it to Gus. And um, You want me to read the exact thing you sent? Sure. I think I have it. It's, um, I love I run across this stuff all the time, and I, this is what I want to do every second of the day is investigate this type of weird stuff or try to figure out a real explanation for it. You got it?
0: Yeah. Okay. So this says, I have received some imperfect account from Mr. Nolan and his man who instructed us in the signs of an uncommon animal having been seen by the natives in a considerable lake in a sequestered situation in New Mexico. New Mexico, right? In New Mexico. Yeah. Now, I assume that that means... That's a pretty big area compared to what we would call New Mexico now. It could be the panhandle of Texas. It could be New Mexico. It could be north of there. It is compared when somewhat elevated in the water to the upper part of the body of a Spaniard with his broad-brimmed hat, and that it is often heard to breathe or blow heavily. The Indians, who are often superstitious, express a dislike or abhorrence of the place, seldom going near it, and assert that the departed spirits of the first Spaniards who conquered their country dwell in the lake. Mr. Nolan informed me that he was once very near that lake, but knew nothing of it until some time after, when he was told the above circumstances. Whether we are to suppose this is a fable invented by the Indians, I almost said aliens, excuse me, or that there really exists an animal, perhaps the hippopotamus or a nondescript will remain the discovery of a future time. Now, the hippo at that time was its own kind of almost cryptid, as you need know, use modern terminology, because there weren't many Anglos that had ever seen a hip, uh, hippopotamus at yeah. the time. So we're looking at probably, what, 18... That
1: would be 1801 or 1800. So he probably had that encounter, heard that story, 1799, so... The Indians reported it to this trader. The trader then reports that guy. That guy then reports it to Thomas gotcha. Jefferson. So, um, um, yeah, long chain there, I guess.
0: And then, so, you know, like you said, there. And when we were texting, you said there are multiple legendary animals amongst the various tribes. You know, we've got the Thunderbird. So, yeah, so I tried to Google
1: to figure out what animal they're talking about because I think 90% of these times it's just people – Seeing something from a distance and then confusing it. Like, I actually texted a friend of mine who's from that area. He thought it might be these big turtles they have in the lakes out there. And that's that's the best thing I'd come up with. Right. But I Googled, and apparently at those lakes there's been sightings of huge birds. There's been sightings of, what was the other big ones? Um, Didn't you
0: say something about a man, a frog man or something? F- uh,
1: turtle man. Turtle man. Turtle man. Turtle man. I, I'd never found much on that. He, my friend just said he'd heard there was a turtle man. And then um, one of the the things that is seen around these bottomless lakes in New Mexico, which is where we we think they're talking about, um, was giants. Mm -hmm. And this hit me because I'd just seen a Megan Megan Fox. Is that the name of that actress? Yeah, the the hot
0: one that can't act. Sure. Well, she's
1: doing a history show that I think tried to imitate what Josh Gates does. Like you send somebody in who's interested about history. They ask questions. Most of the time it's legit history, but sometimes it's weird, weird stuff. Well, I just watched one where she went around talking to all these people who thought giants walked the earth. And and this isn't my first encounter with people thinking that. Because when I used to run this blog, I had a guy write this creepy email like, you know, giants used to walk the earth. And, and, and I keep
0: encountering people that are adamant that giants used to live. Well, and and when you brought the giants up... That made me think of a recent uh, issue of the Backwoodsman magazine, which I read every bi-monthly edition. And this is from the editorial page of Charlie Sr., the founder and uh, patriarch of the magazine. And this says, I guess I'm just getting old and unafraid to say what's on my mind, but there are things that tend to set me off. For one, I wonder why so many things have been withheld from the American people. For instance... Why has the Smithsonian withheld any and all evidence regarding the giants that inhabited the North American continent long before any other humans were here? There have been numerous giant bones and giant artifacts turned into the Smithsonian, and in every case, these artifacts have simply disappeared to never be seen again. The attitude is simply, if we hide them away, they will forget about them. Not so. Get off your butts and give us some answers. If it changes the views on history and evolution, so what? We need answers. And then there's a lot more there about bigfoot and uh, ufos and some other things i have often read about these north american giants and one of the things that became pretty clear even in my youth was that there were a lot of shenanigans going on in the 19th century oh yeah and i think that may have been maybe the heyday of the hoax yep because it seemed like newspapers were There was no journalistic integrity at all, and they would just write whatever, which always makes me think as you go through all these newspaper articles, you're having to sift through and try to find corroboration and, you know, all that, which better you than me. But I also know that there were lots of amateur archaeologists throughout the world, and some of them made astounding discoveries. You know, I can't remember the guy's name right off the top of my head, but the man that found the ruins of the city of Troy over in, you know, in Europe. Yep. That had been pretty much written off as just a, a figment of, you know, fiction. imagination, and fiction. Yep. And then he actually found it. So there are there are both, on one hand, there are people making these amazing discoveries and, you know, paleontology for dinosaurs. That was at the same time as happening. So it's this, but at the same time, we know there's all these well documented hoaxes like the Cardiff man, I don't, or the Cardiff Giant. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one.
1: No, is that the Piltdown? Pil- no, that's a different one. Different one. Okay. Uh, so, the,
0: so from what I have read, and I don't have like a list of sources, and you know, and again, a lot of this is people found it, and then the bones disappeared, or the bones. A lot of the bones, especially probably some that actually were collected by the Smithsonian, they had to be reinterred because of the Native American remains what's it uh there's a name for the actual i think it's there's an acronym for it but there was an act that congress passed that said you all you museums you have to go back and reinter these uh these bones so i know a lot of things that were in museums whether they were roadside amusement places or actually the smithsonian they had to be buried somewhere So a lot of that's gone away. Although some people, from what I've started kind of digging after we talked about it, some people tried to recreate the bones and recast them before they had to put them away so they would at least have a record of it. And, you know, there wasn't, especially in the early days, there wasn't as much photography. So if somebody had these elements, you know, there's not necessarily uh, photographic evidence. But the Cardiff Giant, it has, and it turned out to be a total hoax, and it was perpetrated by an atheist at the time, you know, because America had the uh, the Great Awakening, and so we have all this, you know, kind of renewed Christian fur, fur, no, that's not right. fervor, fur, and so he didn't like that because you know. Also, as we've got all this going on, we also have the rise of science in the 19th century, evolution, evolution. You know, that's a big thing. We got the uh, the the Monkey Trial and all that good stuff going on. Well, he spent. I want to say it was like like the equivalent of about forty or $50,000 before it was all over to pull this thing off. But he had a stonemason carve this giant, and then they tried to weather it with acid and all this stuff, but it was a quote-unquote petrified man. Now, that's your first, you know, inkling that this has got to be a hoax, because pe- living creatures rarely ever get petrified. You know, we got petrified wood and things like that, but not people. So, but people That petrified dinosaur, you see that thing? They found in Canada. Uh, it's like a full-on
1: dinosaur stone.
0: It's it, it's incredible. Sorry. Okay. It, but anyway, yep. very much a very rare thing. But anyway, they have this and he had it buried and then rediscovered in this whole big thing and, you know, people took that hook line and sinker. I think it was several years before it ever became came out that it was a hoax. But at the same time, we've got the Anasazis in the four corners area and accounts say that there have been caves with multiple. And when people say giant, I think we need to step back and kind of put what the reference range there is. Cause like when we think of giant, or at least when I do, I think back when, you know, to fairy tales when I'm a kid and Jack and the beanstalk and the giants, you know, 40 foot tall, I think in a world where everybody's about my height at the most of five, six, and they find a skeleton that's seven foot tall They call it a giant. Yep. And, but you see on these accounts, anywhere from seven to 14 feet is what they're calling a giant. But we all know that there's, you know, gigantism. Mm -hmm. And we all know there's acromegaly, you know, like Lincoln had where he had the kind of the odd skull structure, Mm -hmm. kind of, and he was tall, that type of thing. But those are relatively speaking in the greater population unusual. Uh, manifestations genetically that's not a common thing now now we're starting to see more and more tall people and you know the nba is the testament to that but then again on your day-to-day basis you don't hang out with a whole bunch of seven footers yeah so at first when i see these accounts i think one little side fun uh story before you get to that do you know
1: why patagonia is called patagonia
0: i do not know why patagonia is called patagonia
1: all right this is gonna test my spanish here but i believe Pata is paw, so okay. I I believe, or foot, you know, you can loosely translate it to foot. And then I don't—I've never seen this before besides down there, but it's—Gonia would be a giant, like, so giant foot is what essentially okay. it's supposed to mean. Well, that comes from when Magellan uh, is coming through in uh, 1522 or something, in the first circumnavigation of the globe. He stopped in Patagonia, and they encountered these people they would call giants, and they actually— caught one of them, and they tried to bring them on the ship. The the thing's hitting its head all over the place. And so they write down, you know, and if you look at all these old maps, you'll see a lot of times giant people down here. Well, people down there were really big. You know, like um, Magellan and his crew, their sailors are probably, you know, a long time ago— 4'11", uh, 5'3", something like that. On the verge of malnourishment their entire adult lives. Absolutely. But the thing is, down there in Patagonia, the people, it was just like like a genetic population that was happened to be big and then they had good sources of protein. And like on average, the people down there were like six one, six two. So they might have found a guy that was one or something. So if you compare that two extra feet, that's a pretty big deal and it might have been the Biggest person they seem certainly not a giant. It's a, it's a human. Uh, but anyway, that that's no. That's and what I you're think that about. I think
0: that fits in comp- completely. I I've read some accounts that like the uh, the Cheyenne tribe in the late eighteen hundreds was like five eight on average, which compared to the rest of the tribes, you know, head and shoulders above them. Again, to the same point, they had good protein because of the buffalo. But at the same time. You know, we've got the Apache and the well. Not, the Apache's not a good example. Probably a good example of what not having a strong protein. Well, no, they had a lot of protein, but I think they say with with
1: them, um, you know, might be actually the riding stunts or growth, or I don't know. Uh, but but you know, some of
0: it's just genetics. Uh, yeah, think. absolutely. And again, small populations, you're you're going to amplify genetic traits. You know, to a certain to a to a a higher differential than if you just have a a free moving easy exchange between areas and that's that's one of the things that as we see you know our own melting pot of a culture it's much more common you know it's people don't look the same around the country because i travel a lot and that's one of the things that i noticed that you know you go to the Pacific Northwest, people look a certain way. You go back east to the northeast, they look a certain way. And the south looks a certain way. In the middle, you know, it's a there's certain still pockets of basic I was just hitting on a girl on Bumble. She had a great smile, but it didn't the
1: girl didn't look like she was from Texas. And I said, I shouldn't ask this girl this, but I said, You've got a good smile, but it's not a Texas smile. Where are you from, the northeast? And that's a horrible way to hit on it, but I wanted to test my. She's probably not going to write me back, but I wanted to test exactly what you're talking about.
0: No, I think there's definitely something to it. And I've noticed it. You know, it's one of those things where. And you've lived a couple of different parts of the country, and, you know, it's just a different look in different geographic areas. And sometimes. I don't know if that's genetics.
1: I think a lot of it might just be what's accepted to smile, the exposure to sun.
0: I think there's some of that, but I think there's some that it's like. This is, uh, and you know, as a general rule, you know, the South is a lot of Scot and Irish and English. And then, you know, the Northeast, especially, you know, now there's a lot of, you know, if you're in Massachusetts, lots of Irish, but if you're in, you know, Pennsylvania, there's a lot more German and there's different enclaves. And just like, you know, in the, in the hill country, we've got uh, Czech and German, but there's a there's a mixture of dilution and also, again, the population's kind of sticking together too. So, you know, if you go to, you know, I mean, I, I worked in Boston for a, uh, for a winter and other than probably the way they talk, the area that I worked in, you probably could have just dropped them into Ireland. Huh. You know, it was, uh, it, it, it was just been that way forever and the same, you know, my, um, uh, I've got good friends that, you know, that have just, they stick to their own and it's kind of just cultural. So it just kind of, just kind of falls over
1: at the same time though. Like I, I I bet if you take somebody pure Irish, you know, uh, maybe that's a bad example, but pure German, and then you bring them to the United States, they only are with Germans for five generations. That kid is going to look different than a fifth generation German. The reason I say that is because I I was in uh I got a chance to go to uh, uh cop, spend a couple months in a, in a formerly communist uh, Czech Czech Republic and um the the old people there their faces they they would call them spotny faces which was uh, sad that mm-hmm. would be sad they're living under communism you could see it in their faces and like the young kids. And they might eventually look like that, but I think they just had more pleasure in their lives and they had smile lines. Like the old people, their faces were sagging in scowls. And I think the younger people who are raised in communism, they're going to have, or in, in capitalism and, uh, you know, not in the oppressive stuff, they're going to look different than the old people because of the conditions they
0: grew up. And that's... As crazy as that sounds, I don't disagree with it. Okay. Because I could see, you know, it's like... If and, and I think this is just, you know, you have certain people that are just naturally happy and certain people that aren't. I, I think there's something to that. I think that if you're smiling and you're out, and people find people that smile to be more attractive and to your Texas smile thing. I, I hope she answers back.
1: Okay. Well, we'll see by the end I of I don't the... think she's going to. I don't think so either. But I hope she does. Yeah. There's certain ones I, I look and say, I'm probably not going to be able to pull away with this anyway so i might as well just do a throwaway line and see i think you do that pretty much all the time no nah, there's sometimes
0: i i uh i put some effort yes you actually into put it. the governor on it and say eh, okay let's not talk yep. about uh, ancient giants so i think that you can write off oh we found this one seven foot tall thing where it gets interesting to me is when you have the reports, and I've seen maps, and I don't know how accurate they are because these same people that might make this map of all these pins on the U.S. map where they've had giant uh, skeletons found, they're probably also like creating overlays of star systems over the Grand Canyon, you know, and mapping things out. They're probably the same, one in the same Venn diagram, it's just a solid circle. So I kind of take it with a grain of salt. But there are, you know, thousands of these quote-unquote finds across the U.S., not just in a certain section. And when you start getting into where they find multiple groups of these skeletons, that's when it gets interesting to me. And, you know, you'll read about, oh, they found these mummies in a cave, whether it's in South America up in the uh, Andes or in the... Andes nuts. Thank you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) That's when it. That's when people start to lose me. Like before, you have the first one figured out. Before we have proof there are giants. Now you have giant Lepidicus and giant you know, whatever. Like they they start
0: naming stuff for you know. Well, they want to give themselves. They want to they and I get you a hundred percent. And here's why I think they do that kind of stuff. Number one, they want to be the next guy that discovered Troy, whose name we can't remember. Number two if they give something a Latin name or Latin sounding name, they know subconsciously or consciously that that's going to give some gravitas with maybe not everybody, but at least somebody they're going to say, Oh, 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 that sounds official. Right. Can I blow your mind a
1: little bit here? Blow me. Uh, (laughs) On that Megan Fox show. And, and again, the show's, On four episodes. The the only one I watched was the giant one. It it seemed pretty ridiculous. But they did bring up one point. She went and talked to this anthropologist. Guy seemed legit. Um, He said that in Siberia, they did find a tooth, and they were able to extract DNA from this tooth. And they said it was a previously unknown bipedal species. So we've had a couple of those. We've had the hobbits they found in Indonesia. We've had Neanderthals. Uh, humans killed those guys off or mated with them. Right.
0: Um, I, that's what I want to imagine. But this Hot, homo sapien, on Neanderthal, Neanderthal action. I mean, like, just, just going Getting to town. On.
1: Like, the Neanderthals have extra
0: holes. Taking a bunch just, of shrooms and just, yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to think about.
1: All over each other. But anyway, they uh they found a big, big tooth. And, like, they didn't have the actual tooth. I think that's still over there. But they showed a recreation of it. It
0: was a big-ass tooth. Like It it might generally be a a
1: previously
0: unknown species. And one of the things that I kept hearing about in these, uh, not all of the giants, but in a lot of them, at least enough that it's more than just a one-off thing, like they were fixated about the teeth, oftentimes extra teeth, like double rows of teeth, and certain things like that. Now, there were some people that, Ty and Heavy and I grew up with that we always said had extra teeth. They were a family that the generation that were our age and a few years up and above us, they all looked the same. And it was a very striking, oh, type of look. It wasn't, oh, these are really attractive people. No, these were not. Bless their hearts. And then if you looked at our parents' generation, because – Heavy's dad and Ty's dad are the same age and we're in the same class. And then my parents are a couple years younger. So they covered about a six-year period. Of, they were in this high school at the same time, you know, all four of them type, type thing. And if you look at their yearbooks, that generation of that same family looked exactly the same. Hmm. And then thanks to Facebook, those people started posting pictures of their all, you know, some of their and... There's people back in the 40s that look exactly like them. I think finally that family intermingled enough. And we always kind of alluded that they were, the family tree didn't have any branches, which it may not have been from where we're from. But finally, now on Facebook, you see the younger generation, they've lost the look mostly. But there's still a few. So it's one of those things like maybe they did have extra teeth. I don't think they did, but that was what we always said because we were, you know, shitty kids three things with that you you know have you see, ever seen like a kid's skull
1: before they've lost their baby teeth mm-hmm. it, i mean it looks like double teeth like right. a, th- that's uh one thing that says i don't know maybe maybe that's possible. the other thing is that i knew a guy he never lost his baby teeth or at least he looked like he didn't and that's what everybody said i don't think i ever
0: asked him personally but he had what baby teeth right well you know the, that kid on that stranger things show has a pretty rare genetic thing that also makes it look like like the one that's kind of got the, oh yeah the, the curly hair and the kind of looks like he's just kind of got a like catfish mouth
1: yeah there's some weird yeah. thing that with that well I, third thing and i think we've almost talked might have been you and i talked about this the blue people yes yeah um you know that weird genetic recessive gene gets passed down through
0: inbreeding and people have Translucent blue like skin, right. and they're and they're also borderline hypoxic. Which, if you've ever known anybody, like growing up, we had a, a kid that we pretty much were told as soon as we started being uh, interacting with her, oh yeah, she's gonna die. You oh know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I think we talked about that where she had a heart condition and she made it till junior high, but she was always hypoxic, uh, always purplish blue because she just her. Her body didn't process enough. It wasn't converting enough oxygenated hemoglobin. So she was always, you know, on the verge of, of just going to die from lack of oxygen. And we had another guy that we grew up with that drove a, I, th- I think I've mentioned him before too, when we talked, he drove a riding lawnmower around town. That was his mode of transportation. He was also hypoxic. So and he wore a jean jacket a lot. Anyway. Giant teeth. Is that where we're going? Giant at? teeth. Okay. So, and, and mi- funny that you mentioned Russia. So, you know, there's lots of mounds in Russia that they've been, unearthing, And some of these are going back, you know, they're finding actual, you know, uh, tools and jewelry thousands and thousands of years ago. And it seems like a lot of these giants were found in the mountain builders. I've got mound talk too. After I this. know you've got mound okay, talk. Okay.
1: But no, I've. Fun mound talk. Okay. Keep going, though. I'm sorry.
0: But, you know, that Ohio Valley and the mound builders there in West Virginia, it seems like that's an epicenter for a lot of these giants found that were buried. Now, there's also a lot of giants, like I said, with the Anasazi connection type in the Four Corners area and then south into the Sonoran Desert, both in Mexico and in the American Southwest. But one I hadn't ever heard about, or if I had, it didn't register, there were reportedly thousands of skeletons found by amateur archaeologists on Catalina Island off of uh, the California coast. And these guys start talking about how that has been suppressed. Now, that gets into this, you know, who's suppressing things? Why? Why? Now, one of the things that I read about, the why seemed to be, and this was an elute. the people were claiming this. So, again, take it with... As you will, but we mentioned how the end of the 19th century evolution is the big thing, and there's a, and there's you know literally court battles going on between evolution and creationists. Well, there was a person that got to be fairly powerful in the Smithsonian hierarchy that was anti creationist, and supposedly according to these the giant people, we need a word for the giant people. There's a, They used a giantologist. Giantologist. I think. Okay. They claim that this guy, when he got to a certain level of power at the Smithsonian, he crated it all up, you know, very Ark of the Covenant, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and shipped it to the warehouse because they didn't want that stuff displayed, didn't want it alluding that there were giants. Because, I mean, the Bible's full of giant stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the most famous would be Goliath in the versus David, but... You know, Genesis, I think it's six, four says, and there were giants, you know, many giants. And then you get into the Apocrypha, which are the books that weren't included in the modern Bible and the book of Enoch. It's full of giant stuff. Hmm. And so there's a, you know, a, a rich, whether it's canon or Apocrypha, there's a rich thread of giantism throughout the Bible. And then that was at the time for these, you know evolutionist that was you know we we're trying to stomp that out. So that's one of the reasons that these people claim that it's been. Now you get into like the guy that writing about uh, in the backwoodsman. He's thinking that there's UFO stuff and there's Bigfoot, you know, and there's all these things to suppress that. Whenever you get the two together,
1: like Bigfoot and aliens or giants and Bigfoot. Well, giants and Bigfoot, I could actually see that. That um, yeah,
0: that one kind of goes hand in hand, but.
1: Uh, ghosts and, and aliens or something. Whenever you get two things going on, that's big government conspiracy and, and something else. is. Uh, I can buy one thing, but
0: right. asking me to buy two things, that's too much. And that's where I get into I you know I like to read about all this stuff. I find it interesting. I always like Coast to Coast and all that crap. In and, and Search of them when we were little kids, I don't know if you ever watched that, the quasi-scientific Leonard Nimoy hosted... It was like a 30-minute syndicated show, and they would look at Bigfoot, you know, in search of Bigfoot. And they would have reenactments and stuff. And it, it flat out said these are just some po- possibilities, you know. But they went through all of this type of stuff. I, if you want to, they're on YouTube. I watch them from time to time for nostalgia because of the, the narration. And it's very much, it's like five-year-old Gustav, you know, a happy place. But I agree. When you start combining, you know, these oddities of, are not the Reese's peanut butter. I, they don't go together. You don't put the chocolate and the peanut butter together. I want to keep them compartmentalized like a, a cafeteria tray where everything's got its own little yes. spot. I don't want it crisscrossing. Yeah, but it, it's always got, if you buy
1: into one, you buy into the other. And it's, uh, yeah, you got a soup go go salines and Bigfoot pretty soon.
0: Another thing that popped up as I was looking through these things on the Giants, and I'd seen it with some other elements of... Native American folklore, mythology, whatever you want to call it, where redheaded people get mentioned a lot. Like uh, several of the mummified skeletons, and not just giants, but were redheaded in the Southwest. And then I know that up in uh, the Canadian area, you get the legend of the Wendigo, which was the redheaded, multi-teethed, you know, thing that would eat you, that would get you out in the woods. And then, uh, you see, um, also, uh, there was one account of redheaded people down in the Andes too. And, you know, that's one of those things where you see some things where people explain it away with, Oh, these are, you know, this was the chemical reaction and all this stuff. I don't know. I, I'm not an anthropologist. I don't know how a body mummifies and what happens and, you know, all that stuff. I understand the process, but I don't, I couldn't say, oh, well, because they had a high concentration of lead in their water, this is what happens. Uh, but I find that fascinating that there's that redheaded out of a population that was completely black haired. Black haired. I I think I love that kind of stuff, too.
1: I, I think that it's definitely a possibility. Like, do they actually have these skeletons or this is just rumors of this?
0: Well, that's where um, that's where you're. Suppression. okay. Oh, so this is a suppressed thing. And, well, that, but also these skeletons now had to be reinterred. So, I think a lot of things, especially on this, people just kind of accepted it. Like, oh, they noted these were giants, and somebody might have had it in, like I said, a set of roadside Route 66 thing. And then, once the, the law came down, people just put it away. Or, maybe grandpa that ran that died... And the kids are like, eh, you know, whatever. So I think a lot of these things have been lost or have been reinterred. So it's kind of, well, okay. So we need to head out and look through caves in the Southwest and see if we can find redheads. Well, three, I got so much stuff on this. Okay. Okay. All right. First thing
1: is, um, you know, Nazis would, uh, in the 1930s, would go around looking for evidence of blonde-haired people. Right. Supposedly, there's a guy in Denton. Um, last I heard, he was still alive. But I had a, a German friend; she uh, was friends with this guy. Apparently, it was his dad that was leading that program. Like, so this 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 woman I knew she she wrote a her dissertation about this uh, Nazi ship that was making its rounds around South America and actually came to Texas. Uh, the Nazis worshipped at the Alamo. That's kind of an interesting thing. But uh, or see how the Alamo. There's pictures of that. But they were just seeing German communities in South
0: America. And that picture that you've got hanging on your above your couch of that uh, Nazi salute to the Alamo is very impressive. I didn't expect it to be, you know, four by six and uh, illuminated like it is. Oh but God. it's very impressive. I, I, I actually get,
1: do have it on the
0: computer. Did you get <laughs> that done at Hobby Lobby? Did I they don't look have at you this funny? on my wall.
1: Uh, but anyway, supposedly that guy was was one of the guys performing it, and supposedly his son lives in Denton. But it has memoirs from his dad. But um, I was like, well, give me those memoirs. Right. I want to write this story. And I think the son is nervous, you know, makes sense that his dad will be turned into evil Indiana Jones or something like that. <laughs> um,
0: so I would watch that out.
1: movie. I, I think it's fascinating stuff. I mean, stuff.
0: We, we are introduced to the bad guys as villains, but I'd watch a movie about the, the evil uh, Nazi Indiana Jones versions. But then... Well, anyway,
1: but then they're making they're going to be making like laser guns and stuff with them because that's what what the Nazis always do when they get their hands on the the archaeology uh, archaeological stuff like they uh, they turned it into lightning guns. But well, anyway, you know
0: they they were fascinated by the uh, certain elements were fascinated by the occult. Some were, yeah, not all, but some definitely were.
1: Um, so that's one thing. It, uh, the other thing is, I I had this student. He was an older black student. He was owned. Uh, I don't want to get too specific, but he was a successful businessman, but he had this conspiracy theory that all Indians were Africans. And I said, Well, you know, everybody's from Africa a hundred thousand years ago or whatever. Uh, but he was convinced that there was a government conspiracy I'm not
0: convinced about that. What? That there's a that Africa is the is the root of I'm not sure. Well where are we from then? So I so- If you take out creationism completely, whatever, in whatever shape of it is, the migration doesn't make sense to me. So I think, and, and so, and hear me out here. So I'm not a strict creationist nor a strict evolutionist. I'm kind of this unknowing somewhere in the middle. But one of the things about evolution that gets me is that the idea that life in any new species, that it just can happen out of one thing, and then that one thing extrapolates worldwide. That's a long shot. Like, the chances of that one instance surviving out. Like, I, in my youth and some other things in my adulthood, you would grow out cultures. And it was easy for a culture to die out if it's not tended correctly. Are talking about yeast or something? I'm talking about yeast. I'm talking about bacteria, just okay. molds, all sorts of things. But these most basic organisms that if the if you don't keep the criteria right for them to survive and to supply nutrients, it's easy for them to die out. Mm-hmm. Now you take that outside of having a uh, a male, and these are asexual organisms. Now with yeasts and and molds, you get into a sexual component, but that's neither here nor there. But asexual organisms have this hard time. Now you start getting into Creatures that have to have a sexual component with a male and a female, then that itself, I think, if you want to say, okay, we had this macro evolution happen where all these things came about, you know, in this hierarchy of creation of natural evolution, I'm thinking that you had this happening over here, and you had a population, and maybe you had a population over here, and then eventually these populations intermingled, like we talked about with the Neanderthal and Homo sapiens. Homo erectus and whatever else, I'm thinking that you may have had instances of it. And then if you look, you know, especially from a and I've never seen the genetic components of it, but you know, I've seen certain things where people say, well, Europeans have this amount of Neanderthal DNA and this amount of Homo sapien, you know, type thing. I would also say that if you were able to go down and really map it out, and maybe they will, and maybe there's somebody already done it doing it, if you looked at you know the Aboriginal population of Australia, or your Fiji uh, hobbits, that sort of thing. I'm thinking that we had instances that developed across, just like the dogs. You know, developed in Siberia one way, and maybe they developed a different way so over here. Dogs right? are a different story, but you're, okay. you see what I'm saying. And, and dogs are fascinating because of the the wide we expression made we we made them, but the expression of characteristics in dogs is fascinating. You know, there's no comparison of humans or almost any other species that I can think of right off the top of my head where there's such a diversity of appearances, but they're still genetically the dog. I'll be honest, I don't. I'm not getting what you're
1: saying, but I don't know if. Uh, well,
0: I'm just saying, like you had this instance that happened, evolutionary speaking, over here in somebody over here got big ears. Well, and I'm saying, okay, okay, we we developed humans, and we'll just say humans, okay. Okay. It developed here in Africa but maybe it also developed here in asia. Wait, what do you t- So all primates I think from Africa. I just think like well, That's what that's what that's what we've constructed. Okay. Now, I think that I think that we have gone down this path and say this is how it is, but we're pretty short from a scientific standpoint of how long this is. Like we've only been working on this 150 years, okay, for evolution. So we've constructed this in this time for Period, But I'm saying if we have a longer time frame to work this out and more study, that it may not be as simple as that.
1: Well, let me, uh, this is my guess. I'm not an anthropologist, but I, I'm, I think we have primate skeletons going back millions of years to Africa. But we have only a couple hundred thousand years ago that we start seeing Neanderthals out of Africa, Um, you know, the hobbits or whatever. We only have that from a couple hundred thousand years ago. So. Either if primates developed outside of Africa, then I just don't see how that would happen. Like, like it, I mean, hypothetically, it's possible, but if you have hundred thousand bones that are a million years, I don't, I don't know.
0: No, I get what you're saying. I, I just think that there's a dispersion that maybe we, maybe we've settled on this idea of this is how it was, and I'm not sure about the dispersion effect.
1: Like, there's a big debate over whether we had. Creatures that we would think about as human get out. Like they found bones uh, 200,000 years ago that are pretty much – that are human. We'd understand as modern human in China. And I haven't seen those explained away yet. I, and so I – but I, I think everybody would argue that all right, they they just left Africa earlier or something right. that, than we expected. Um, I don't know. I don't,
0: I, I, I don't have an answer. I just I, – I'm very skeptical about science and how – I'm very skeptical about young science and I consider evolution a young science. I mean, I, I took a class in evolutionary biology when I was working on my degree. And some of the things in the class are what made me be kind of like, okay. And as a case in point, one of the things that we took is we took, um and we didn't deal with human evolution in the class. I mean, it was, we had discussions, but that wasn't the focus. We dealt with, um, Primarily, we're dealing with mammals. And so in the lab, and it had its own you know lab portion of the class, we had about, I think we had about 30 different mammal skulls to choose from, going from squirrel up to, I think we had a bear. And one of the things that we did is that we, and and there was no DNA component to this. I mean, DNA was around, but it wasn't access. We didn't have access to that. So we're doing this old school, Darwin type genetics and uh, no, uh, evolution. We measured multiple data points about each skull, and then we compared processes and things that stuck out, and you know all these different things. And then based on that, you created this hierarchy of evolution for the organism. It all depended upon how good your measurements were and what you measured is how this laid out. So different people measuring these same different scale, uh, skulls would come to different conclusions. Well, I guess I was going to say, th- keep going, I'm sorry. Anyway, but the point was, it's such a young science, and DNA's changed it completely, you know, aspects of that. But again, we act like DNA is a, a done deal, and it's absolutely not. I mean, people are still working on the, the genomes and how these genomes, you know, express different things it's
1: well we all well evolution is not a one-way street like so you go and, and you can evolve and get new characteristics but somebody comes in you can have it the new thing at you know you can die you can kill that group off you can come in with uh, dominant genes and they just get rid of that after sure. a couple generations or and, or a, uh
0: something happens that creates a weaker you know and you yep and one of the things that uh, i'm trying to think In looking at all this giant stuff, it was a population. They were talking about Europe, and there's giant evidence in Europe, too, you know, type thing. But Fred the the Great trying to create his giants, which uh, we talked about before. I think, but it was around like 1,100. The population was a certain size in this one country they were talking about. It may have been Wells, maybe. Anyway, but how this population size, and then we jump ahead 700 years to the 1800s. And the people are way shorter now. Environmental impact of the mini ice age, you know, that probably has some effects to it. And then you add on maybe, and to your point about Czechoslovakia earlier, air pollution. You know, Eastern Europe was horrible with air pollution. There's factors. It's not just a like you said. It's not a climbing a mountain to get to the peak, even though people kind of think of it. There's ebbs and flows and ups and downs. I don't know. I, I'm just very, I I look at how much science has changed in 500 years from things that were accepted and tested out based upon what they knew at the time, and they used scientific method to replicate it, and they all came to this conclusion, They or not all, but they agreed upon it, and then 200 years later, we're like, oh no, this is bullshit. It's not always bullshit, but there are things where I'm very much disturbed by how people Non scientists accept anything that's said by a scientist, quote unquote, as fact. I think we're getting better as a
1: society about that. My I, evidence is Reddit. I think we're. I think we're worse. Oh, really? Okay. I do. I, I think. All right. I think the masses are worse. I think the masses are. Yes. Yeah. I. I think generally the smart people, which I. I would say thirty percent of the population is maybe more than that, but but I. I the, People, I I think, generally are skeptical. You got the mob down there, probably the bottom forty percent of the population. They're just gonna, they, they don't. I don't. Running for president, but that that bottom forty percent doesn't matter. You know, like they're gonna buy whatever you you want. But going on Reddit, whenever there's a new theory out about something, you'll all either see people being funny about it. Some people say, "Hey, this is promising." I'm hoping they do a follow up study. People questioning, you know, how many subjects they used. uh, People questioning. Whatever. Very rarely do you see people on there
0: saying, uh, "Well, shit, this is the answer." I think that that is way less than five percent of the population. Because I, I want you to think about that. Reddit is already—it's people that are already there, especially in those threads. They're already—it's a uh, I'm trying to think of the word. It's certainly not a double-blind study. You know, it's—it's it's, they're already jaded to a certain extent. They what is this? What was that? Why is my iPad talking? Anyway, so i I got a new iPad. Keep going. Anyway, I think those people are already predisposed to be questioning because they understand studies are only as good as what you put into them. So I think that that's one of those things where uh, I I think you're overestimating. And I'm trying to think. I had something where I was around a bunch of dumb people the other day, but I can't remember what it was. It's eluding me right now. But it... Furthered my belief of how dumb people are, which I didn't always be that way when I was young and I was around people that were fairly like-minded, even in our small town. And, you know, my parents were always, you know, on the new, uh, you know, into the news and my grandfather was voracious reader and everything. So I just thought everybody was like that. Mm -hmm. And then when Ty and I started working for the school with people that were, you know, Literally on loan from the uh, the jail to come work every morning. That's when I realized how dumb people were, and yeah. I haven't been I haven't been swayed yet.
1: Well, th- well, there's dumb people. There's also people that are just set in their ways, or people that are tired of thinking. I don't necessarily think th- that. Yeah, there's
0: that too. There's that too. But I think just in general, people like and you see all these headlines where oh, chocolate's good for you. Well, okay, but you know, like you said, what was the study? What were the parameters? How yeah. you know all that stuff. Do you have anything else about giants? Because we're at about an hour here, and I think we may have bored everybody to death. Oh, we can cut it off there. Uh. Giant talk. I I do have... I can talk giants for... I don't go keep
1: going. No, I really can't. You called me on it. I've got nothing else.
0: Because I'm just fascinated by it. There's no real great evidence right now, but there's all these reports of it from the 19th century. So
1: you actually think there's a possibility of
0: something? I'm thinking that there may have been genetic populations... That were bigger. Well, I think that's proven though. Like, I don't think. But anybody's I mean, arguing maybe that. like a lot bigger. That
1: Siberian thing. That tooth is the only thing I've heard to. Indicate I'm just that. saying.
0: I'm just saying that maybe there's something to it. Well, and maybe they were the offspring of the fallen angels and man, the and Nephilim.
1: One one thought. Red-headed Nephilim. I I could understand that the pituitary gland, Audrey the Giant. You know what is it? It, it keeps growing or something right. like that. You could see that there being, like you said, isolated pockets, but well, I, I, I just don't see why that would be covered up and why that'd be crazy. Like I just
0: and one of the accounts said that one of the uh, it was some of the Anasazi. The legend was that, or maybe it was from a Hopi legend, but because obviously the Anasazi are their own kind of mystery. But that this tribe of giants was in a cave and the people. Basically burned them up in the cave, smoked them up. They got them in there, and then the the Indian tribe, tired of being picked on by the giants, put an end to them by smoking them out. Do you know um um that wasn't Massacre Cave, was it?
1: I don't think that was the name of it. Now, oh okay, because I I ran across something called Massacre Cave, but I think this might my mound story really is real quick, and it might fit. Okay, yeah. No. Um, so. I have students write this paper. I was supposed to look for an event from Texas history. that hasn't been written on, write a paper on it. This student didn't do a very good paper, but he found this account. I don't, I don't know where he found it about this. And I, I, this is one of the reasons he got a bad grade. I didn't even know what date it was, but he found this testimony of this old Mexican man. So they're going through Valverde County, uh, scouting out to where, where to lay down train tracks. um, Well, while they're going through, they find this mound filled with bodies, and they're asking around, like, what is this? And they, according to this account that, again, I don't know where this guy got it, but this, uh, the railroad operators or railroad, uh, whatever you call them, scouters or something, asked this old Mexican man uh, uh, or Indian man, who are these? And he's like, those are my people. And he goes into this oral history where he says the— The long, the long robes and long spears killed him. And so like, what what are you talking about? He says, well, and he describes this, you know, family going through these good times, bad times, being friends with Apaches, all this other stuff. And he says, one day the long robe and long spears came in and they just started killing us. They, I remember them killing my sister. I remember killing all this other stuff. And then uh, that was pretty much the end of us. Only a few of us got away and I found this account and I thought, all right, well, where is it? So Valverde County, it's right there, uh, sort of where Texas twists right. Um uh southern Texas around the border with Mexico. Um, and I'm assuming that it would be late seventeen hundreds because if the railroad's going through there probably eighteen fifties, maybe 1860s. And he, he, the account's saying his fa- like he was one of the victims of the attack. He he ran away, like gotcha. it, but he saw it happen to his family. So if he's older, again, late late seventeen hundreds. I read this, and I think this might correlate with something that I found. So in the late 1700s, the Spanish got tired of dealing with the Apaches. They never listened. They would constantly break treaties. And so the Spanish came up with this policy. We're going to kill them. We're going to enslave them. They would actually take Apaches, and they would ship them down to Cuba, which mm-hmm. is wild ass. There's a story of a an Apache brought from uh, Texas down to Cuba he gets to Cuba, starts a rebellion in Cuba. It, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, but one of the stories, the Spanish in this, when they were doing this extermination policy, they're going after these Apaches, but they're also paying Comanches to go after them too. And the Spanish soldiers, they come upon this field with just Apache bodies everywhere. They like they described hundreds of families and and uh. By my account, if, if their numbers are right, and it's just a tiny little bit, I found the Spanish document on it. Uh, that would be like the second bloodiest battle in Texas history after the Battle of Medina by Erodondo, the book. Um, but the but second,
0: a, and that's available on Amazon, right? That is available on it's Amazon. Where I got my copy,
1: but uh, this would be a battle between Comanches and Apaches, and I'm wondering if it's that same battle, like because the Spanish they called everybody that wasn't Comanches and was in this certain areas Apaches. Like, if, if this is a description of that battle, and if I can link the two, I, I think I'm going to have a good, uh, good fun paper on At least on a good hand.
0: article, yeah. Yeah,
1: so well, might, anyway. Might get, that might get you uh, article of the year, which I, you've won before, correct? I think I, I, if they're smart, they're going to – I don't want to say it, but I, I think this this one I wrote this year has a chance of getting that, too.
0: Award-winning
1: yeah. author. So anyway, that wasn't giant
0: stuff, but uh, well, let's I, get the history talk out of the let's way. Let's get the history talk out of the way. All right, well – I appreciate you indulging me in giant talk. I'm fascinated
1: by it. After hearing that Megan Fox tell me about that giant tooth, I'm I'm not completely dismissive of the idea. I wonder if it had angel DNA. Th- that's the thing that I, let me let me end with that. That's the thing that gets me though. And you you say DNA studies
0: aren't perfect, but man, I I think they if there were I'm not saying they're not perfect. I'm saying we don't understand DNA as to the full extent right now. Like. We understand the basic components of DNA. We understand that we can sequence you know they're working on sequencing the human genome, but we don't understand how DNA always expresses. like there are certain genes that are basically on off, you know like, you know, whether or not you're brown you have brown eyes or blue eyes or green eyes. We understand that. But we don't have a specific gene. When you have multiple genes expressing something that's called an allele, we don't always understand how you're Brad and I'm Gustav. We don't have that right now. Now, we may get there someday, but even beyond that, I don't know that we will because I think I've talked about it a long time in one of my crazy ramblings. I think that maybe not humans, but maybe, but certain species for sure, I believe they have some type of genetic memory oh boy i don't know where this species knows this and we call it instinct but instinct has to be written out somewhere in a in a genetic code where this animal knows how to do this or knows not to eat this like we as humans we we uh, assume that we learn a lot of things but there's probably some things that are just inherently we know and i think that There's some type of genetic memory that goes on.
1: Well, anyway, I I just it seems like they would be able to detect if they can find the DNA in that giant tooth. It seems like they'd be able to look into pockets of you know DNA of people, and and they'd be able to then see, all right, well, this DNA's here. This person,
0: there's evidence of this DNA in this these people. I can't wait till they take that giant tooth and make a Jurassic Park of giants. You have fun with that. It's gonna be awesome. Would you have sex with a giant, a lady giant? Sure,
1: I'm not. I'm not a. I'm I, not a bigot. I, I think
0: there's a whole genre of giantess porn out there. Like these guys. There, oh, there is. I, I yeah. I, I
1: I that's one of the things I I, I don't understand. But uh, I I don't know. People have told me about it. They, in your in your
0: in your research. Yes.
1: No. I I yeah. That's weird. Now, I don't want to kick anybody in the nuts about their whatever they're doing. But- I think it's
0: pretty weird. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> as, a t- as a short man, you know, there's – I think uh, I think I talked one time about having to uh, take ballroom dancing classes, and I was really excited because I was going to have to dance with other partners other than Mrs. Gustav, and there were a bunch of tall blondes. I was, you know, excited to be dancing with the Fembots, and then that didn't happen because I had to dance with the Moly Moly uh- – I-, I don't know what you're t- – I cannot –
1: I feel like a jerk, but if I date a girl that's close to as tall as me, it's just, it's weird to me, and I, I feel terrible about that. So you go, you,
0: you want to go short?
1: Five, six is, is about good for me. That's perfect. I mean,
0: Mrs. Gustav shorter than me, and traditionally, I think I've only ever uh, enca- engaged in any type of uh, amorous activity with one girl that was taller than me, but I don't have any, uh, I think it's much more common that the girl doesn't want the shorter man. Yeah. Yeah. But I could see that. With your insecurities that you would be worried about, I'm that's not. probably it. I mean, that I'm pro- not. That know, is I'm probably it. it. But
1: um, I'm th- just kicking you. One, one final thing on, yes. on this. What book was I reading when you came in? Uh, it was a uh, giant. Yeah, but it has nothing to do. I, I just realized. that. I know that's funny though. It, it has about nothing the to do. With Giants is giant. about the movie giant. Yeah, so.
0: with Rock Hudson and uh, Elizabeth Taylor and James Dean. James Dean. Yeah. All right. Shot in Texas. Shot in Texas. All right. Right. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. Thanks. I really, really appreciate it. And I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. I'm tired of being here on this hill. No one lives to be 300
1: years like the way it used to be. I think
0: they were giants I think they were giants Down your country a great service and uh, we trust you found the settlement satisfactory. Well, oh, the money's fine. The situation is totally unacceptable. Well, gentlemen, I guess that just about wraps it up. Where is the Ark? I thought we'd settled that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power, and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody. Dr. Jones... We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. And World Class Championship Wrestling, I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Salley. Good night from Dallas, Texas.